You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the Legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark of the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, PA, and with me tonight is my legendary and ever favorite co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. My uh, eternally optimistic and catastrophically creative gibbles and bits. And tonight we are joined by an incredibly special guest. The one, the only, the, the master of the Discord League, the winner of evens and odds, we have Gangsta Bob with us tonight as well. Gangsta Bob, how are you doing tonight? And, uh, well, I guess I have to ask everybody that because I, I actually, we pre-recorded some stuff, guys. Mm, so I mm-hmm. I asked that of Gangsta Bob twice, but we'll start with Gangsta Bob again. How are you doing tonight? And then and then everybody else can answer. Uh, I'm doing good. <laughs> I feel like that uh, house guest that, that kind of was walking by and saw a party and people were like, yeah, come, come, you know, hang out. And then... You know, it's been five minutes and no one is telling me to leave yet. So I haven't. <laughs> Good. No, we're glad that you're here. Well, I, I was I literally texted Gibby earlier today and I was like, Hey, do you want Gangsta Bob in on the on the whole episode? And he's like, Yeah, why not? I'm like, Absolutely, let's let's get him in here for the whole thing. So we're really glad that you're joining us. DBN, how are you doing? It's good to have you here talking about LOR with us, man. Indeed. I'm here and I uh played some LOR, so I'm prepared for this evening's conversation um i'm doing good man i tell you what though uh my 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 main game right now is uh i think i told you this earlier mark it's a grind uh so uh playing some uh mostly playing pokemon the new uh brilliant diamond enjoying that uh and uh making terrible life choices and deciding that how I'm going to play it is a shiny only playthrough. So uh, I've spent a lot of time running around in circles in grass. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about like two or three days at a shot. Probably. You know, um, it, it's a great way to spend Thanksgiving when everybody's sitting on the couch and, you know, chatting about stuff and, you know, 90% of the time you're not really involved in the conversation. So you just sort of run in circles in the grass and listen and chime in where needed. See, as an ultimate Frisbee player though, you are used to running in circles around in grass That's true. for, for hours on end. Mm-hmm. So this is no, this you are just translating your real life. Mm-hmm to your Pokemon life, and I applaud the dedication. That's right, that's right. You know, I'm um, I'm really investing myself in the running in circles uh, aspect of, of living, um, bringing it into my virtual life as well. Uh, no, it, it's been fun. And actually, uh, since the last time we talked, I don't think I brought this up, but also, Mark, you, you got me hooked on Slay the Spire, man. It's so fun. Good. It's a good, good. game. Yeah, it's a really great game. Slay the Spire is excellent. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Gibby, how about you? How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. I am fat and happy after a nice Thanksgiving, all tired from travel and ready to sit around and play some video games and do nothing. So Pokemon Unite today for about like four oh, yeah, hours is what it felt like. Um, where DBN and I are trying to grind a matches. If anybody else wants to join that grind on Pokemon Unite, you are welcome to join us. You just got to let us know because we need some teammates. That's right. We can only carry so much on two people out of like the five or six That's that true. are on, on a team. Two people at Zapdos so, does not make a winning game. 
Yes. You, it's hard to burn a Zapdos with only two people you have, and one of them is usually not a damage dealer. That's so right. We are, <laughs> so we, we definitely need some more people yep. on that. But I, uh, I've, I've made the pro- proclamation that I am also going to be um, adding a new game to my repertoire of Dead by Daylight. Um, it's a game I've been wanting to get into for a while that I think just looks so cool. Um, so I will be trying that out as well. My brother's oh, really Dead into by Dead by Daylight. Daylight. Uh, yeah. He keeps trying to get me to play it, but I only have time for <laughs> I love grind. horror games, man. So like, oh, or I love man. I love horror in general and horror games, so this is going to be right up my alley. But I'm, I'm going to get just obliterated by people for probably a good couple months, but it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Just got to stay positive. Well, that's what you're nice. best at. No, no better yep. person. See, see, see. Uh, everything, everything is turning up. Gibby, we should play the game. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, I've been uh, this week. I've, I've, I actually played a lot of LOR this week. Honestly, a lot more than normal. Um, and, uh, and I was just grinding out the, the, the pass, I, and I've been really enjoying it. I, I've actually been digging Path of Champions and have been playing just to get like one normal win a day um, to be able to get my two uh, Hextech crystals and have been enjoying that. I've been enjoying getting the unlocks, but I also like I had to delete TFT from my phone again because every time TFT comes out with a new season, I'm like all in like I'm all in on TFT until I have to delete it and I get sick of it. So I've been playing a lot of TFT uh, hit plat in TFT. Um, which is, you know, like a, it's a respectable dad rank, you know, nice, respectable dad rank. Um, and so I've been uh, yeah, I've just been jamming out TFT recently and uh, and really having a lot of a lot of fun with that game. It's a really, really great game. And so um, that's been that's been me. Uh, TFT LOR a little bit um, and uh, going to be playing some Slay the Spire on stream here this week coming up as well. So excited for that. Um, but, but yeah, sounds like we've all been playing some good games. Well, everybody's been having fun except DBN. There's no way DBN's having fun. Uh, you know, I never grinding. have, have fun doing anything at anything. I'm no, just the perpetual refuses. pessimist. So yeah, refuses mm-hmm. to have fun at all. Actually. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, so the shiny grind is actually ideal for you. I'm not going to lie to DBN. It was really hard. I almost bought, uh, the new Pokemon game. Uh, on like Black Friday, I ended Dude. up buying a resin printer instead. Uh, um, you can't resin uh, print on stream. What am I supposed to do? I, I Come know, on, man! I, tr- I want to so watch you now, do a Nuzlocke. <laughs> I I do I do want to do a Nuzlocke, and I want to play through it because I haven't played through Pearl and stuff in a really really long time. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I I bought a resin printer, which I'm really excited about to get in because I want to print some Dungeons and Dragons miniatures. It sounds super exciting. So super pumped for that. Um, the other the other question uh, that that I had was, what are you playing in LOR right now? If you if you are playing LOR, what are you playing in LOR in, in Gangsta Bob? I'm going to start with you. Like, what it, what's your flavor of the week this week? You said uh, when we weren't recording that you don't like you don't stick with a deck for any real length of time. So now I'm curious as to like what is the what is the deck that you've been digging on recently? Uh, well, the the deck the past week um, because I was practicing with it, but then I ended up just really liking it was um, the my odd Vandal Tree deck. Um, I really okay. like uh, mini games in my in my in my card games, and uh, it's 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 like a quest. It's it's like you you aren't playing almost. You you have to respect what they're doing, but you aren't aiming to win the same way, and that is a is a neat. Uh, angle to play the game uh, for for a time, you know. I'll get bored of it eventually. 
I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, Bandlewood is – I played a handful of games of it, and it is fun when you can, like, pull it off. And it is, like, its own little mini game. There's there's no doubt about that. Uh, Gibby, what have you been playing in, in LOR this week? I've been playing, I would say, probably three main decks if we're going to go that way. Um, one, I hadn't – there for the first couple days for when Jace came out, I hadn't played him. Um, I saw a lot of decks coming across and people creatively – um, trying to put together decks where I would normally be involved in that space and wanting to create kind of those first mover decks. I didn't get a chance to do that. So after some very awesome decks were created, I'm sure Gangster Vibe had a, pro- had a had a hand in that. In our Discord, I started playing a little bit of Heimer and uh, Heimerdinger and Jace, and that deck is a blast to play. So I really enjoyed playing that, but I also created a new deck of my own uh, that I, I enjoyed and pulled out one that I just evaluated what I had been seeing a lot when I was playing in the meta and was like, I think, I think this will do well. It was a pretty good evaluation. So the new deck I've been playing is I've been playing Caitlyn and Kindred as a kind of a tempo-based deck. Really? Caitlyn has take Caitlyn with a lot of the um, the traps. If you can get by the time those traps are going off in a couple turns after you've played Caitlyn and attacked with her, Kindred's now on the board, and at the beginning of a turn, it'll mark something. Um, so it, it 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 does a pretty good job with that. Uh, I liked that deck. It's not the most efficient, but it was good. Uh, it was an idea, idea that I had just like laying in bed one night. I was like, I need to build this deck. The, the other one that I have been pulling out, which I've called my ruined scaly boys, is a, a Demacia and uh, Shadow Isles deck that is very dragon heavy. Okay. But runs some other kind of cool tools. Uh, it, it runs Shivana in it, um, but it's tempo based, so it runs the whole jag, uh, Dragon Chow and um, Curse Keepers, but paired with some of the the Shadow Isles cards that of the dragons that damage their own units. So crawling Viper Worm, hurting its own Curse Keeper to then proc the new unit, but also buffing itself up. Ruin Dragon Guard and. Um, the Camivorian dragon running some protection tools. Uh, so just basically running um, spooky dragons uh, as, as another way to put it. So it's that deck has done pretty well. Uh, Shivana gets leveled up almost every single time. And then it just kind of runs away with games. So awesome. I am in plat right now, about halfway through plat uh, about to get to diamond, hopefully soon. Wow, bro. Full disclosure. I have not played a single game with Jace yet. Uh, so that none of those ideas he sounds really cool the champions thing jace okay i have is what i would suggest i have just started the jace path um so i have played i think a single game with him in in that but i haven't made any decks with him um i i thought about bringing him to the to the finals as like a fourth deck i was like oh he's pretty cool i could make one but um i think i played against him in the winner's finals against Astrofish, he brought a Jace deck. I don't know what he paired with it, but when I played against it, I was like, ah, it's just not going to be refined enough. Like, I, I I don't know enough about him to do anything with him. Man, I thought six-cost spells were going to be way too slow to be viable consistently, and I was like, okay, the meta's just going to react, and it's just going to move to a faster meta. Um, or ones that at least move a little more tempo-based and run Deny and any of the six-cost spells, which Deny is still all around all over the place now. But I was like, I just assumed that it's just not going to be as relevant. It's just going to kind of be 
mixed into the shuffle with everything else and it's not going to be that prominent and it's around it's a thing six cost spells are more powerful than i guess you think especially if someone doesn't run deny just because there's not a lot of other ionia options out there so i think just because people want to run deny they're just defaulting to zed decks zed Mm. being fast enough but still having the option to run deny so that's just what I've what a lot of what I've seen, but I was a little bit wrong about the six cost spell viability. That okay. new one with Jace is really good though. The whole three deal three damage to something and then deal three damage to another unit or face. The shock blast thing is what it's called. Very good. Very, very good. Okay. 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 That actually uh, gets Okay. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say that that gets good burn too, then, right? If you can get a level Jace down. That thing mm-hmm. is doing six damage to face. Six damage to a unit and six damage to face. Very good. Very good. Well, guys, before we jump into our talk on Two Champs and Hat, which we are going to talk about here in a moment, I wanted to first thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash legendscast. You make this possible, including having someone like Gangsta Bob on the show because he wins a league, and the league is only possible because of the support of our patrons. So if you want to support us, head over to patreon.com slash legendscast, and each month we do give away a piece of merch. So if you're a, a, a nickel an episode, you know, 20 cents a month, um, you get put in the drawing every month to win a piece of Legends Cast merch, which is currently a T-shirt. And this month's winner is none other than the Static Sheep. Static Sheep is the winner of this month's. And Static Sheep has been a longtime listener, longtime patron. I think the the um, first winner of the uh, of the Discord League didn't Static Sheep win static- season one? Yeah, Static Sheep was yeah. Legends Cast Discord League Season 1, um, won that season. And so, uh, Static Sheep, congratulations. Uh, I don't remember. It was a hat back then. Now you can put your hat and your shirt on uh, if you come and hang out with us. So, uh, let's let me know. Shoot me your name and address, or and I'll uh, I'll get that out to you. Um, appreciate you, and awesome to have you, uh, have you win that. Um, let's go ahead and jump on over, though, and uh, jump into our segment on uh, Two Champs and a Hat. Ah, the sweet smell of science! Okay, guys, for this segment of Two Champs in a Hat, uh, I know that uh, Gangsta Bob didn't prepare, but he is a card game genius extraordinaire, so he'll be able to chime in and just, without ever having built decks using these two champions, be able to tell us probably just like the best way to do it. Um, but we played with uh, Nocturne, and Sejuani this time around. And uh, and I have to say, guys, I, it didn't go great. It didn't go great for me. It didn't go great for me. But maybe it went better for some of you guys. So I'm kind of curious. Gibby, you want to talk about what did you decide? What direction did you go with for, for Nocturne, and, uh, Nocturne and Sejuani? I don't know what you're talking about. This didn't go well. This went go, perfectly go well. fine for me. I, I found some immediate synergies with... Uh, Nocturne and Sejuani almost to the point where I had two viable builds. One that I didn't end up really fleshing out and playing as much that was more centered around um, kind of some burn tools using uh, the uh, oh goodness, forgive me for not remembering off the top of my head. The three cost unit that uh, uh, is a a zero three that uh, the the prankster. prankster Yes, mm. so using the Prankster card uh, that basically says every single time one of your units dies, it does one to the enemy nexus. So using that as efficient 
uh, burn damage to level up Sejuani. Um, and then I was also going to run a couple copies uh, on the five cost side of the Neverglade Collector that does this similar thing. However, it does dr it drains one, so you get a little bit of healing in there too to try to extend out the game. So I was running, considering a build with that, but I did not go that way. What I decided instead was, okay, I'm going to run some Nightfall cards in here because I want to keep the interactivity of, of Nocturne in here, but I'm going to focus more on the um, burn side of things through Drain and through kind of lifestyle. Interesting. So what I did was I ran three copies. For example, I ran three copies of Fading Memories. I ran three copies of Unto Dusk and do three copies of Dune Beast, uh, an Ember Maiden, and I, a, a copy of Astral Fox. If you're seeing synergies here, these are all things that Astral Fox isn't, isn't a, a Nightfall card, but Dune Beast says anytime you play me, if it's not the first card you've played this turn and you play me, drain two uh, from your opponent. So take two of their life, give it two of the life to yourself. Um, and when you run things like Fading Memories, which creates a copy an ephemeral copy of something in your hand for zero mana. One, that's a proc. That's a free burst speed proc for a Nightfall card, whether it's your Doom Beast or something else. But two, that allows you the recursion to then drain more, which became very reliable. There's not a lot of units out outside of um, outside of a couple different specific decks, especially with the slower meta with Jace and stuff around that really can contest fearsome units early so i was running um either burn with with ruthless raiders and whatnot but trying to get down nocturne i was mulliganing for nocturne hard or stygian onlookers which i also ran running three copies of so that way i could play a fading memories on something i could stygian onlooker or play fading memories on four and get uh nocturne down and just at least swing for like five ten ten damage within the first three to four turns. They were always in single digits or within uh, nine or 10 health. And then you start looking for your Doom Beast. You start playing, um, in, was it the the Shadows card, uh, the Stalking Shadows that looks at the looks at three or four units in your deck and you get to pick one and make an ephemeral copy of it. Sure. Doom Beast every time. Or Astral Fox, maybe. And there is a pretty much your win condition of the extra burn that your opponent can't really do much about. So I actually went four and zero with this deck in casuals uh, today. Wow. Not ca so not ranked, but casuals, but still went four and zero with well, it. Honestly, though, that's still pretty impressive. It I it mean... felt good. Um, the two the the decks that I ran into, I ran into two deep decks. One, I just had too much uh, aggression for them to play around. Like they had a drag dredgers, or they had a. Um, a scarab, which none, neither are three, three attack or more. So I ended up getting two Stygian onlookers down, and I hit him for like eight with two Stygian onlookers by turn two or turn three, and he it, he was so low at that point that I just burned him down. And the other one went out uh, a bit later, and I ended up playing a Sejuani and pulling a guy or or frostbiting a guy with vulnerable. Waiting was about to swing for lethal. He killed it, and I played my one copy of Miss Call, which I love that card, and pulled that Sejuani right back on the board. Pulled that bad boy right back in, swung and hit him for lethal. So, um, and then I ran into a Swain Teemo deck and a Darkness deck. So a little bit mid range to late game, which is what I expected. Mid range to control, 
and it seemed to fare very well. It was just a bit too fast for those decks to handle. That's really interesting. I, I, I don't even want to talk about, I mean, DBN literally got to see my experience today on stream and it wasn't a great one. DBN, I want to hear about it. I'm going to tell you about it as soon as DBN tells us about how his experience was using one of these decks. Well, um, first off, uh, watching on stream, um, I, I actually, uh, I think I, I suggested a build um, or just a concept. Did I go with it? Not really. Well, sort of, but I, I think that at that point, because you, your initial concept had not fared super well, um, I think you were wrapping the stream up, so we didn't really get to spend a whole lot of time on yeah. the, the concept. Um, so I, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm now motivated to boot up LOR and, and visualize this deck idea. Um, so I created a deck, uh, I called it Cold Sweat, um, and the idea is that it is, um, it's Nocturne Sedge, obviously, because that's the, the, <laughs> the format, uh, but it's a mid-range freeze deck, um, and it is trying to um, utilize freeze options in conjunction with the vulnerable granting cards, uh, the vulnerable granting champions, right, and as well as Rhymefang Wolf in order to go hunt things down, remove the... Ezreal's, Jace's, whatever crap that's out there that wants to sit on the back line. Um, so, yep. um, it, and it actually was decently successful. Again, small sample size. I went three and one. And the one loss that I had was because of a double deny on the last turn. Uh, oh, so, okay. so it, it was, I played against, actually, so that game, I played against Feel the Rush, um, like full standard build feel the rush and uh lost to that unfortunately um but um actually it, it was a situation where they ran a one by mina swift foot which was like the only weird thing in the deck and it bounced like three huge things so i was like oh my gosh i don't know if i can get back in this game but i slowed my my play speed down and i was just kind of like let me find my outs let me like hunt through what i can do here to actually you know bring this game back and i basically just started spamming freezes as often as possible so that i could get these huge uh rhyme mothers uh den mm. mothers down and uh when they finally feel the rushed i was actually able to literally like match my den mother with their feel the rush champions oh that's um, impressive and uh and you know, and I, I I used you know harsh winds, flash freezes, and whatnot um, to kind of basically they swing, and once they play field of rush, they kind of run out of speed, right? Like they need to win off of those um, because that's what they're building up to, and so much of the deck is building up to that and surviving till that. But once they play it, it's not like they often can play it again and again and again. Maybe one sure, more time yeah. max. Um, and so I was able to keep slowing them down and actually just pick apart their field of rush champions and stuff. And utilized actually the vulnerable that Trundle was throwing down the pillars and punched through some damage off the overwhelms. Unfortunately, it came down to the situation where they had their Trindomir left, and I threw my like 12 12 Den Mother thing at their face, and I knew that Trindomir was going to block it. Um, and this was like an off of an open swing, and I had two of the uh, three sisters in hand. And I was like, here's the plan I'm going to three sisters pull it into them. Uh, and uh, and obliterate the you know remove the the Trindomir and punch the damage and they blocked it with deny not once but twice with only two cards in their hand. 
so I was like, oh, that's brutal. That's brutal. But but it it was able to um, succeed and kind of. I mean, we've all done it before, right? Ash and Sedge, yada yada yada. Um, but it's because you don't have Ash's sort of win con, like built in win con with the freeze count. Um, sure. I actually went and beefed up the top end. Not only did I put in the Den Mothers, I also slapped in two Battle Furies and an Atrocity, um, which were able to, in conjunction with the Den Mothers and you know the the, the chonky units like Sedge and stuff. Atrocity's an interesting thought. I like that. it. It won me two of the games. Um, it actually won me a game against uh, Sedge Gangplank, um, which I desperately. I mean, I wouldn't have won without the Atrocity. Uh, and then it won another game against Ezreal pranks or something stupid. I hate Ezreal. I just don't want to see it. Um, and I was able to go, okay, you're doing all these combo things. I'm just going to slap Atrocity down at the top of the stack. <laughs> okay. Uh, so so that was that was satisfying. Um, it was cool. You know, Brittle Steals, Three Sisters, uh, Flash Reefs, Harsh Winds. That's a lot of freeze. That's going to get the job done. Um, yeah. and I think having the battle furies and the atrocity there to be those big game closers. And I, I it, it seemed to be my play style, if nothing else, as a mid range sort of player. So fun. Well, you know what? I did not have such good luck. Um, I took it to kind of like quote unquote ladder, not really ladder. Um, and, uh, it just did not go well for me. I tried a Yeti's build at first. I was like, maybe I could run some Yeti's with this and just try to combo out and overwhelm my opponent. Turned out that didn't work out so well for me. Um, so I was like, okay, well that didn't work. What can I do? Um, I did try the, the den mother build, but I don't think I had a chance to refine it enough to like get it anywhere near like an atrocity, right? Like that didn't end up being the, the end goal for, for the deck, um, and so, well, uh, and you know what? And honestly, right now, like the meta is so heavily elusive that it wasn't even fun to play. Like, like half of half of my games right now are just against Poppy Z elusive. And it's like, uh, yeah, like this isn't like I'll go. I'll, I'll just go play Path of Champions. Uh, so when you're trying to experiment uh, and all that you have to play around is elusives, it's never really that much fun of a time. Well, uh, if it's any consolation, Mark, uh, watching you play that and play the, um, you know, uh, the freeze deck against a Braum Vlad deck, um, and watch the Braum Vlad deck perfectly curve out. If anything, not <laughs> only did a, it made me log on and actually build a, uh, deck for the two champs in the hat, uh, because I was like, Ooh, now I'm interested in, in seeing you know what's possible with this uh but it also once i had built the deck and played a few games and said okay like that's good enough to talk about i then played brom vlad my favorite deck uh and damn it if it's not still fun yeah okay okay so thank I, you i, I want to thank of... you <laughs> oh, well I, you're you're very welcome my suffering has brought about great things i didn't yes. have so much luck today but to be honest i was building it on stream and didn't really have a ton of time to refine no, it it, I it wasn't a, a lot good... of time with it yeah, it it wasn't a great build. It wasn't the worst. Like no, it, it wasn't it a good situation to be building a deck in. It's not a relaxed, low pressure environment when no, you're streaming and no. also trying to talk to people. <laughs> yeah, 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 also trying to do it. So, yeah. gangs to Bob. Uh, I mean, you've had so much time available to you to theory craft and come up with exactly the way that you would play these two champions together. Um, so, uh, so what? <laughs> you have anything you want to add to the conversation on two champs in a hat this week? I know. Like we didn't prep you ahead of time to actually play games with Sedge and uh, and Nocturne, but we value your opinion, so we'd love to know what you think about it. Um, I 
was thinking about it while you were talking. I don't have anything good to add there. I, I like weeks where the champions are different mana costs. Um, I think I it's always a little harder when they're when they're occupying the same thing. Um, it's cool that y'all seem to go different ways um, with with your with your builds. That's cool when um, you know a lot of champs tend to want specific things, and uh, they have other champions that they just pair with and they they do the same thing. Um, it's cool to see. I I like this segment because when it when when the champs aren't so pigeonholed into their own thing um you get wildly different ideas of what you could do with them even if some are less successful um it's it's always a good exercise to try and do something different but yeah this isn't like when we had to build renekton and echo when you're yeah. like oh i guess these these dozen cards these dozen cards are gonna come into the deck regardless <laughs> of which direction you go sure. yeah there's there was a lot of variety clearly the well, only you know what this deck oh, go ahead. the only other thing is um just responding to something dbn said uh the the mina in feel the rush is yeah. actually something that's becoming more popular oh, um no way uh actually i think I don't know if he brought it to the tournament, but there's there's another podcast that I started listening to, Mastering Runeterra. Mm -hmm. Not allowed. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> banned. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we're not there's, sending there's, you your trophy anymore. There's a certain player. Um, different different styles, guys. There's there's room for all types of Runeterra players. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Um, anyway, he 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 actually really. I don't know if he pioneered it or if he found someone else that was playing it, but he's a big fan of what he calls feel the Mina and it's, it's feel the rush, but, but running that, that Mina to like really just close out um, that, that the games there. And I think he may have brought it to his seasonals lineup because he was having a good time with it. Well, I hated it and I wasn't <laughs> expecting it. <laughs> it, it. It does make sense though. Like if you're, yeah, it works. And you oh, want to yeah. be able to either like stall the game or clear the board after feel the rush. Like Mina makes a lot of sense. I will say this: I did get Prismatic War Mother's Call this week, um, which I was pretty pumped about. That that was a pretty good. That was a good Prismatic one to to snag. Came out of uh, I don't I don't even remember where I got the epic when I got the epic, but the epic one that I got this week came. There's so many that you get. These prismatics from the lines, from the like the the faction lines, and from the event pass, and from the quests. Like, there's so many ways to get prismatics now. I, literally, I'm sitting on 30, 3,100 prismatic shards that I haven't spent yet because I just rub it in. I haven't fallen in love with a champ, the champion, a new champion combo that I want to spend them on. Um, I did think about like Jinx Vi, uh, and we were gonna do cosmetic corner, but now we're gonna be talking about new cards this episode instead because. We got some new stuff that came out uh, and revealed. Yeah. But, yeah, so that was two champs in a hat. I love DBN. Honestly, your thought on the backside of that, of uh, of of using the atrocity, pumping up the demo, then using the atrocity, I really liked. Gibbles, I love the idea of, like, pinging face to, like, push damage through. I, I sort of had that thought but totally forgot that the fox existed um, mm -hmm. in order to help me do that because that does help level up Sedge. And what I what I liked most about this set is that Sejuani is a pretty is a relatively versatile champion, mm -hmm. right? Like she doesn't say here's she has a set of cards that she's clearly better with, but she she's not so pigeonholed that you can't level her 
in a deck that doesn't run Bilgewater and in GP um, and all of those tools. And then was paired with Nocturne, who is like, well, you're probably never, ever leveling Nocturne if you're not running Targon. Like, it's just literally never going to happen. It, you'll be very lucky if it does. But Nocturne in and of himself is a 5-3 that gives something. It's like four mana remove something. Um, you know, it's like four mana deal five to something. And in that case, like, I've always, I used Nocturne as removal, basically, when I played Mistrate Aggro. Um, and basically, Nocturne was a way to either close out the game with five damage or to remove a champion that I couldn't remove any other way, and I used him as removal. So I yep. did like the combination. I just couldn't find the sweet spot for it. I also came up against several decks that really kind of got the nut draw on me. Um, and, uh, you know, hey, it, it happens, right? Um, I remember like one game, like I was like turn two, I had dropped a five five yeti on the board. I had two five five yetis <laughs> on the board, and like turn three, I think. Yeah. And I still lost that game. <laughs> That's like, crazy. Yeah. Ah, how? Um, there was there was one where a guy drew uh, like all three of the cards that that he needed that was like clutch against. I can't even remember what the card was now. I evidently wasn't that salty about it. Um, but uh, but why don't we go ahead and uh, Gangsta Bob got a chance to chime in a little bit here, but he's going to get to chime in a lot in the next segment as we're going to go ahead and dive into the interview with him. The party has arrived. Okay, guys, tonight we have with us the winner of the Legends Cast Discord League Season 5, the Evens and Odds Season. Um, we have Gangsta Bob with us tonight, um, who has joined us on the episode and is going to be talking uh, through all sorts of stuff about what he played in the league and why he played. If you guys are, are newer to the show, you might not know. We have a Discord league that runs uh, all sorts of different formats. Uh, this most recent one was evens and odds. Uh, so your deck got to be all evens or all odds. And then when we run that, after we are done, the champion, whoever wins, gets a trophy and they get a gift card and they get a... Uh, a piece of merch uh and then they also get interviewed on the show so they get to come on and join us um so uh you know gangsta bob it's a joy and a pleasure to have you here with us how are you doing tonight uh pretty good i'm really excited to be here you know it's weird listening to a, a podcast that is you know professionally developed and then be a part of it for just a small bit mm -hmm. it's it's a surreal experience mm -hmm. Professionally developed is strong language, considering the fact that I, I just whipped Generous. this thing into Reaper and cut it apart a couple of times. You know what? You know what? We will take it. <laughs> we'll take it. You think it's surreal now? Wait till you get to hear yourself talk on the podcast after the recording publishes for the first time. Oh, it's weird. I can say that. I'm the new host. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gangsta Bob, it's, it's awesome to have you on the show. We really appreciate you being willing to jump on and, and talk a little bit about your experience. And I'm probably actually going to let DBN and Gibby, you know, lead most of the segment in, in, because they have some great questions. Although, to be fair, I did make it further this season than either of them did. Uh, and so I'm actually a, just a better player in general, mm. as, it, as it turns naturally. out. Yeah, mm -hmm. naturally a better player. Yeah. Um, but why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit first about a little bit about your kind of your gaming pedigree? One of the things we like to ask our champions is like, what got you into card games? What card games have you played in the past? Um, you know, why LOR? That that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. So I've always kind of been into card games. I remember, you know, being into pokemon way back in the day before it got banned in my elementary school mm. um and then uh i got into Yu-Gi-Oh around 
middle school, I think. Me and my sister kind of were just into it. We never really did much except we bought the cards and we made some decks. Um, and then somehow in college, I surrounded myself with people that had also been into Yu-Gi-Oh way back in the day. And we kind of re-found our love for that and we kind of went a little too hard on it. Um, that was that was when uh, probably spent the most time playing card games because uh, I wasn't married. I uh, didn't have kids. And so we just played Yu-Gi-Oh! a lot. Um, eventually that faded. Um, I ended up falling out of love with the game. It just got a little top-heavy. Uh, and it wasn't until, it must have been like 2014, 2015, um, Hearthstone had launched and I hadn't gotten interested in it. But then some friends finally convinced me after the first expansion, I believe Nax Ramis launched to to give it a shot. And uh yeah, it really hooked me. Um they they just had a level of polish that almost mimicked the, the physical uh card game. So I dove deep into that and had a lot of friends that were playing it. Um and then slowly those friends stopped playing Hearthstone even though I continued to because I really liked it. Uh, but then uh, Runeterra came out, and I was kind of interested in it, but that I was still really into Hearthstone, and the thing about these free-to-play type games is that they're all competing for your time. So I dabbled into Runeterra in the open beta, and I thought it was really cool, but I was still just putting most of my time into Hearthstone. And it wasn't until later in 2020, probably around like October or something, that I decided I was playing card games too much. Mm. And I just needed to stop altogether for a chunk of time. So I committed to like three or four months of just not playing. Um, and that was enough to break me free of, of Hearthstone's hold. And so when I started dipping back in, I was like, I'm going to give Runeterra another shot. And I think at that point, they were in like the late stages of the Shirima expansion. Okay. Um, so Azir had already come out, but I think whatever, I, whatever was the one after the first Shirima, I think the second or third Shirima expansion, that's when I jumped back in fully and started uh, uh, grinding that out. And I really dug it. And as of yet, I haven't, I had not gotten my friends to get into it, so I was just listening to the podcast. Uh, I found Legends Cast back in the open beta okay. when you, you guys were talking about it, um, and so when I got back into it, I started listening again, and that is when I found out about the Discord, and so that was that was really nice. So since then, I've continued to be a Runeterra player, and then I've just sort of lurked in the Discord, um, and then slowly have begun to participate more. I, I have one follow-up question, and DBN and Gibby, I'll let you ask them about lineups and, and what a strategy was and all of that sort of stuff, and we'll have you tell us about the finals game against Jonathan C. Um, but uh, so because you are a newer player, a lot of our league players, I think, are people who've played since, you know, open beta, closed beta, and uh, and they've been pretty committed to the game, and so they have large collections. Um, I'm curious. I'm just genuinely curious. How is your collection going as somebody who started in late 2020, 
during like you know the end of the Sharima release, um, and like you're you're getting well, I guess not late 2020, it was like 2021, really, right? Uh, is that when? Yeah, I think came so. Out? I, I think it was like track of when things happen. I think it was late 2020. Okay. Um, it no I'm early maybe January. January is when I started. Okay. Um, so I had you know not much. I I mean I had gotten I think three of the tracks to 20 by the time I stopped playing. Okay. Um, so there was all, it was before any of them had more stuff to unlock. Um, I'll say at this point, I've gotten all of the commons in the game. Okay. Um, because they, they give you a lot of common wild cards and that was a little goal. Um, and I think I'm about four champions away from having all of the currently released champions. Okay. Um, so I at this point, I mean, and I haven't put in a ton of time. I, I've I've played enough to uh, get all the region roads now. Um, I did put a lot of time in over the last three or four months with a with a new kid. Um, but the the only the only space so I can experiment mostly how I want. I just uh, can't dip into all the epics or rares that I would need for, for different ones. Um, but I'm at the point now where when it comes to like just an idea, I can, since the champions are the core of most decks, I can, I can pretty much test out any ideas that I want, which is a nice space to be in. And it's definitely different than my experience playing Hearthstone. Um, sure. Just that ability yeah. to oh, yeah. bounce around. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in, if I was just a, curious. If you've got a deck space, a deck that you want to build, all you have to do is just wait a week. You'll probably have enough shards off of a off of a vault, mm -hmm. and then you can just craft what you want to anyway. So it, you'd probably have what you, have what you ha need in order to get to uh, the card ideas that you have within a week. I was just yeah yeah. I definitely have the reserves and shards to do that. I just also have a hoarder mentality where I know I will have more ideas. I know my attention span when it comes to any given deck is really small. And so I'm hesitant to like just dump a portion of my shards into that because I know that I'll, I'll leave it in a couple weeks. Understand that. Understand. I was just curious because the, we all know the experience of card game players is very different from the person who played from closed beta and the person who jumped in later after a couple of expansions, your experience with the card game is vastly different in terms of whether it's new player friendly or is it really free to play friendly? Like it's really hard for us to say because we played from early on. And so we think it is, but for some other people who jumped in later, maybe not, but your experience, and you've said this before we even started recording. Yeah. It's, it's refreshingly free to play um, in terms of building your collection out and stuff. DBN, do you have some questions about uh, for, for gangster Bob about just his lineups and what he did and how he strategized for this tournament? Oh, plenty. I mean, we could talk about it all day. Um, I think from the perspective of the listeners, um, you know, this is the first season we had done. This is probably the most, the craziest, um, you know, rule set that we had worked with, right? With ev all evens or all odds. So I'm interested because I've talked to several people, um, especially Gibby and I worked on a lot of decks together and, and we had varying degrees of success with them. Uh, but, um, you know, where did you start from a creative standpoint, you know, looking at, all of the options that are out there and trying to whittle things down. Did you have a preference for even or odd? Did you already know something? Did like I built 
several decks um, purely from the perspective of I'm taking a deck that I know is good and I'm cutting out half of the cards and filling in and keeping with a pre-existing strategy? Or did you go in saying, I'm going to come up with something unique? Uh, I did not go with the second strategy. My strategy was definitely take things that I like to play Mm -hmm. and then uh, fit them into the mold. Um, And I know there were there were some decks I can't remember them off the top of my head now, but there were decks that I wanted to bring in, but you know the champions, the champion pairings were even and odd, and so those yeah. were just disqualified. Absolutely. Um, so that that's kind of where I came from. Um, I had more time to experiment with the allegiance format last time, mm-hmm. um, and so this time I I did go with more of the. I, I know I like these decks. I used a couple of them in the Allegiance, and it's why I know I like them even more. Um, so let's see if I can just fit them. And that seemed to be a pretty good strategy. And and then with which ones I was trying to fit, I kind of figured in the same way that Allegiance had restrictions, when you have restrictions on the deck building, um, the strategies are less refined and the games run a little slower which means mm-hmm. you can go beefier and with your stuff. And so that's kind of where I looked to build lists. Yeah, absolutely. Did you, so upon, I mean, I think you made a really great point and I, I kind of got to read, if anybody hasn't read them already, go check out in the, the league decks channel in um, discord. Gangsta Bob has posted all of his, his decks that he ran with, I think just during the finals and maybe, for majority of the the tournament themselves, I don't know how how often you switch decks, which is also another good question to ask. But um, there's all he wrote a little bio up about what the deck did for his lineup and why he included that deck. So I went through those upon watching um, some of the finals themselves, just to kind of see how that paired with the style of the decks. And you you noted that in in several of them, I played this deck because I anticipated it being a slower paced game with less refined decks and people having the opportunity to miss curve and not be able to play on curve. Just if they don't have enough three drops or five drops or two and four, whatever it might be, you went kind of on the greedier side for a more of a mid range control list. So did you find that uh, there were certain regions that fared better in that and you geared your decks towards a couple regions or were you pretty spread out? Um, let's see. In the beginning, there were. Uh, I know that my Sivir Akshan and Shivana J Four were were there from the beginning. Um, just because I really liked them, and I, I think Demacia was good in in this. Just I like protecting the the stuff I had. So the three mana shield barrier and the the four mana repost were, mm-hmm. were good uses there. Um, and then I was experimenting with the third one. I know I, I played around with uh, a, a Victor Vigar Darkness list, and I see somebody uh, smiling. <laughs> yeah, I did a very similar and, thing actually. <laughs> played with Darkness, and I think I may have brought that. I was experimenting with the list, but I think I brought that one for the first two rounds. But I I wasn't very happy with it, um, and that's. I experimented a little more, and then I dipped back into Diego Scion, which was 
a deck that I had been running on ladder and and keeping with the thinking of this deck dominates when it can go later in the game. Well, odds and evens games. I, I, I And after the first two rounds, I could see it playing out that they did tend to go later in the game. Um, so that's why I landed on that as my third. And that one was a very fun deck as well. Just I like slamming big, big beasts. Scion yeah. Diego. I, I, I just, I, oh, yeah. okay, that doesn't, like, when I think about it, it's not like, oh, pops in my brain. Like, oh, that's obviously J4 and Shivana. Like, I understand mm-hmm. how that works, right? Um, walk, walk me through that thought process because the synergy is not immediately apparent to me why you, I, I guess, like, Diego summons spirits and that power dies. So that, that does make a certain amount of sense. Walk me through what the strategy was for that deck. Scion wants to end games around seven. Viego wants to go much longer than that, typically. Um, my strategy there was uh, if I can... Well, I, I think I could drop Viego earlier than you would normally because there there is a little less removal. Um, the answers aren't as clean. And um, the... Because I, well, I was just guessing, but I expected that people would prioritize removing it, but they would use, they wouldn't have a good follow-up answer. And so I ran three copies of Miscall in that deck, um, and that won me a lot of games because people would take down Viego, Scion. Well, they wouldn't normally take down Scion because by the time I drop Scion, it's a leveled one and he's going to win. Um or, but the 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 thrashing vine, the seven mana one Invasive that Hydra Hydra vine. Hydra vine. Yeah. Um, so they would spend their mana to deal with that, and then I could get it back, and that was usually enough of a value off that to create that self churning board. You know, once you get enough ephemeral mm. stuff going, um, and then Siam was more of the wait and play him after you've summoned enough ephemerals and other stuff that that that's how you level him up you didn't discard um with with sign you, you played him later after you had summoned enough ephemerals to just bring down a leveled sign i love that deck idea because almost to a fault i think we all maybe have a couple cards like this almost to a fault i try to slam miss call into any shadow isles deck i possibly can because i love <laughs> that card and there are times where and I and I think it's I think it's to my own fault. Back when um, they who endure was a big thing, when that deck was running around the meta a lot, I used to run Miscall as a tech card in that deck, and it would straight out win games. And now, I want to throw that in as many decks as I possibly can. So to see that you run that as a tech choice and it work out really well for you. I'm happy by proxy. So I'm constantly I'm, nice. I'm constantly looking at his list and being like, really? Missed call? Like, I'm like yeah, man, yeah, yeah. Missed call. <laughs> I was like, but like, mm, I don't know, bud. <laughs> but, but like, but like, what if they kill my big thing? But you're right. It's it's a that's a really good thought process is the prioritization of how your opponent is going to remove your your units in the slower matchup, especially with very big attack threats like Viego. They want to get rid of them now, so that way, they, the the count, the kill count total, the body count doesn't continue to go up 
if they remove other things first because that just helps him. So they have well, to prioritize it. And with aggro being weaker in a format like this because it's less refined, you're not often having to throw everything into a defense just to live and then miss calling on a 50-50 roll. Mm -hmm. Yes, that was another fun part of playing it. Like piloting it was fun because I was always thinking about how to not shoot myself in the foot with miscall. And because it's a slower format, I could create those scenarios better. Now, I, 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 I hang out with Jonathan C. basically every Tuesday right now. And so we had been talking about his preparation and what he played because he had knocked me out of the, out of the winner's side into the loser's Collusion. bracket with his double darkness know, lineup. Right? What the heck? Um, and was, was super, you know, I, I was very impressed by the double darkness lineup. Now, when you had posted about your going to the finals, you had said in Discord, I don't, I don't have a, a fourth deck yet. Um, so you probably had to come up with something. I mean, you ended up having to use all of them. So it's really a two-part. What was the last deck that you came up with that you decided on for the finals? Having had knocked Jonathan C out of the winner's bracket before and then revisiting him in the final, you knocked him out. He battled the whole way through the loser's bracket. You met him in the finals. Um, and then also tell us about that, that series of games with him because it ended in a pretty epic way. Uh, so I remembered that he had the two darkness decks, but I, I honestly couldn't remember what else he brought. Um, so my thinking when I had to create another deck uh, was kind of just where, what, what was my thinking behind um, the other ones? And could I find something that did a similar thing? Um, because I had kind of gotten rid of the ones that, I had experimented with early on and didn't didn't like so i could either try to resurrect one of those or just play around and i decided i wanted to go for something with a big finish um so my my first thought was uh this deck i had seen floating around um tristana splinter soul um swarm oh yeah um, that that ended the game with uh with a big um you, you, you either won in two ways. You either won by going low with a lot of swarm units um, and chipping chipping your damage in and getting the win there, or you got to the late game and you played that seven mana faithful guy that gives himself four impact, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. you splinter soul it to create a 1-1 one -one copy of it that would have four impact and then give itself four more impact. Um, so just having 12 ping damage to face. Uh but the odd restriction on that, I think, disqualified that just because I was having trouble winning. I mean, my, all of my experiment, experimenting was done on, on, like, the ladder. So, you know, I'm fighting an uphill battle sure. whenever I'm testing with it. Uh, so, but I like, I like the um, swarm aspect of that. And I remembered that um, Vandal Tree existed and I had never really tried experimenting with that so i threw together a vandal tree list and i was kind of looking at the different regions and i felt like in a slower meta um i wanted to help the game go a little longer and so i landed on shadow isles to get um two copies of ruination and a and one copy of vengeance to um keep me going a little longer and uh that ended up working pretty well. I had, you know, about a fifty percent 
win rate on the ladder from my testing. So that's that's why I brought that. Um, that ended up being a very good uh, matchup because what I ended up facing off with John in the final game, I guess we can get to that. It had a good matchup in, in the final game because um, he had Feel the Rush, uh, Sedge, Trindamir, Asol, um, but he, he just couldn't close the game with that stuff. His That was a little slower than mine. Mm. See, um, see, it's interesting because looking at your lists, um, you read the format very, very similar to me. Um, but you ended up going in a very different direction than the decks I put together in that I read the, all of this and said people are going to have clunky uh, options, right? They're, they're going to be making inefficient plays. So therefore, if I can put together fairly efficient removal options, I can play a very reactive style and run them out of resources, right? And your approach was I'm going to be as proactive as I can. I'm going to get as many things down, and I even loved your uh, Green Glade Lookout. That's a card that I have always loved. I used to play it in Yasuo to try to get some of those more expensive stunners down faster uh, back in the old days. And um, I love that because instead you're you're saying, I am going to play very proactive cards, but I'm going to try to make the plays efficient where... You know they're they're not efficient otherwise, and where other people are going to be playing inefficient things. Um, and, and I mean, looking across all of your decks, I mean, even though you know Bandle Tree is a combo, it's a very proactive combo. You are constantly working towards it. You're not sitting there waiting to assemble the pieces in your hand and tinkering with the opponent so much. Um, I mean, I, I think that that it, it, like clearly that worked out and it's interesting because Jonathan took that more reactive approach and to see the two lineups that are going more you know I'm messing with my opponent and you saying I'm just focusing on my stuff I I think that 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 makes for a really stark contrast uh and and sort of the battle of light and dark in the in the finals so to speak that you had these two prevailing notions and I mean Clearly, they both were relevant, but I, I think that the proactive approach that you took is the, maybe the less obvious one and obviously worked out. Uh, yeah, I mean, they were both good, right? They both got to the, the finals. Um, I think the only reason I didn't go for that, that more reactive is because, uh, well, you have less options mm -hmm. because you're, you're restricted to either even or odd. And I just think without a way, you, you need both the options at the right time to stifle the opponent's tempo, but then you also need the way to close out a game. Um, and I think it, there just were, it felt to me like there weren't enough options to control the flow of the game enough to, to get my win in. Um, and so I think I forget. I mean, I, I have listened to a lot of people talk about like the the design of you know tempo, mid range control. Mm -hmm. um, but I think uh, generally, like like a control type strategy is good against faster decks because you you can grind them out, you can wait them out. But it's less effective against a 
strong mid-range that's constantly putting down beefy mm -hmm. threats and beefier threats as the game stretches on um, because you run out of answers or you're 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 throwing up uh barriers you're throwing up your armor mm -hmm. and the strong mid-range deck uh, i think just has more opportunities to break through that um in a format like this that that was my yeah opinion. i think that that's absolutely a, a great read and something that looking at your your decks i was saying dang I wish I'd, I mean, Akshan Sivir, I did think of that one. I think a lot of people thought of that one. Uh, sure. But I'm, I was looking specifically at your um, Viego Scion, and then I think Gibby actually tried a very similar thing with Shivana, um, although the, the, the spells looked very different. But, um, yep. uh, but, but nonetheless, you know, that mid-range approach is something that, you know, I sat there looking at it, I was like, you know, I... I just for myself, I love mid-range decks, and I talked myself out of them. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, I'm like, dang, this guy had it down. Like, he figured it out, and, and I was looking at this as like, of course this, like, of course this one. Like, this is, it, it perfectly, um, like, poked holes in the, the literally, like, hole-riddled curve of all of those other decks. And I think that, like, the, the ability, and, and because, I mean, I look at the, um, especially I, I like to look at the, the spells because I feel like that is a very clean and clear indicator of, you know, what a deck is trying to do. I, I don't, I mean, in a format like this, the, the units get kind of all switched around. I mean, I think you even mentioned like switching Bakai for Merciless Hunter, but they effectively achieve a similar purpose, right? But the spells are where you really like identify, okay, what is this concerned about? What cards are going into this and what are they trying to protect? You know, and I look at things like, you know, the Golden Ages, um, you know, and, and the Rapasts and stuff like that and being able to, like, heavily protect your units in Shivana Jarvan and, and, but but specifically through creature combat. And I'm just like, yep, that tracks. I mean, when people are making inefficient plays, the last thing they want is to lose tempo on board because it's going to be so much harder to recover it because you don't have even and odd plays um, to put together. Mm -hmm. That's... Yeah, with uh, with Sivarakshan and Shivana J4, I definitely went a heavier focus on those protection spells because I knew that whatever I put on the board I needed to stick. Um, I didn't have as much response if I lost what I had. Yeah. Not not as not as many ways to to reclaim board once you lose it in a format like this. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, awesome. I mean, it's even funnier when you see five when you see a, a control deck against a control deck uh, end in a tie, which is what we wanted to get to. <laughs> was game five of your series against Jonathan C ended up in a a tie of you achieving Bandle Tree, uh, your Bandle Tree win condition with him killing you off of a uh, end of turn or start of turn blighted ravine. Um, doing some damage to face ending in a tie which is about as poetic and funny uh as as you can make it for such a long uh tournament series with a an expanded final um so i that is crazy to me that is so cool it's definitely not stressful at, at no, all no not at all <laughs> not at all especially since you were streaming it for other people to yeah. watch so good job keeping your cool both of you um that is rares or ties are rare in an lor so um it's it's like being in a tournament all day long 
after playing about a dozen games or dozen different matches at least and then getting to the finals and it just drawing out as long as you possibly can so um good on you for keeping your cool and for uh for persevering and um just pulling out the the win we we are happy to have you as as our champion for season five and if we haven't already said his name enough big shout out to jonathan c i mean he's a heck of a player as well he's constantly at the top of of all of our our top eights and and making it to the finals of our brackets as well so great showing from him nothing to be uh to be ashamed of there i know how it feels to to get to the final so um jonathan what a heck of a season for you too it was it was a really stressful finals because uh i knew that john was really good because i think we faced off in the winner's semifinals and it was a it was it went to the the final game and it was close there as well uh and yeah uh the first game he won so that put me on the back foot um with his with his zigs to Leah. uh it the thing the first game the thing that happened that i was worried was going to happen was that i thought too much about what i was doing and and you know roped myself um is, is a common thing that happened when i when i think too much um so the the i was able to win the next two um i had a really good matchup with uh shivana j4 into his feel the rush um i had some i had denies and that pretty much won me the the day there yeah deny yeah. will do that yeah, that yeah will, that, that, it does that's that. a common theme deny mm-hmm. against feel mm-hmm. the rush ends up being pretty good in the end <laughs> well i didn't even play the second one i just played scattered pod late in the game and uh i only have deny as my fast spell so i knew i would have that and i think he knew that i had that at that point he said he had two feel the rushes in his hand by the end of the game he just never felt like he could play either um, so that was that was a good matchup, uh, and so I won the next two, and I got to my bandle tree, and that was the untested one, and he won with his darkness deck. He was just able to get his Vagar online, mm. um, and I didn't, I didn't draw my bandle trees at all until like the last turn. Uh, so I was pretty down on that, but. I thought, okay, you know, I got one more chance to do this. It's his field rush. I just have to full mulligan for those bandle trees and just try and win before he gets his sure. Sejuani uh, Trin- Trinomir's online. And yeah, it, it got down. He was getting a bigger and bigger board, and he got me down to one health, but I knew that he didn't have any burn spells left. Um, so I played the what some PNZ minion that it was generated to get the Bandle tree, but he also played Blighted Ravine. I had no idea what was going to happen. I was like, "Oh, man!" I was not prepared that go for off? this interaction. <laughs> How does this work? Science? Does one of them go off first? Yeah. <laughs> rules judge. Uh, get yeah, a rules I don't judge over here. <laughs> I don't know what it was from his perspective, but from my perspective, it definitely seemed like I was losing because the round started. And his countdown finished, and it hit everything, which then destroyed my nexus. And then before that animation finished, my bandle tree popped up and was like, "Bandle tree win." <laughs> and I was like, and then his nexus destroyed, and I was like, 
huh? <laughs> and then it popped up tie game, and I was like, okay, exactly. Okay, well, I'm not out. Just a roller coaster of emotion there. I bet <laughs> it was. It was. And then they both screamed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I messaged him on Discord. I was like. No. <laughs> <laughs> Another game? Uh, I'm not okay yeah. with this. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, but the sixth game was a little more lopsided in my favor because I, I got uh, my mayors down quick. I was able to just start spamming a bunch of different units and I got the Vandal Tree. Oh, mayor. Like deny. Mayor will tend to do that. Mayor will tend to do that, yeah. Yeah, Mayor is a pretty uh, pretty strong card, as it turns out. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, if you want to go a wide board and you're looking for an epic to craft, Mayor is probably the card that you're wanting to craft. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost feels good. Certainly. DBN, any other questions or give you any more questions uh, for, for Gangsta Bob before we move uh, on from this segment? I do have one question. Uh, I want to know, for future seasons of Legends Cast Discord league is there any kind of stipulation similar to allegiance or even an odd that you would like to see hmm i was thinking about this and i don't have a good answer okay. um i i liked evens and odds because it was weird um allegiance you could you could almost uh hew to a, a much more synergistic thing because the region had a couple different things it was trying to do and so a lot of people brought similar things if they were picking the same regions um evens and odds it felt like it cracked it open quite a bit more um and i like that space because it feels like you're rewarded for you know deck building and and trying different things um so something like that the only the only thing i'll say is i really really like being able to use the best of three challenge mm. feature in Rintera. Yeah. Um, because it just was very clean. It was like, okay, I got my three decks, I can see what they're doing. It, it felt more like a like a like a tournament. Um, just because you had that in client ability to like look at their decks, make a ban. You know, that was another thing that you don't normally get to do, but it was it was a cool skill to like be like, oh, what would I do in this scenario? What what do I not want to face? Um, I agree. The incline thing was yeah. really, really nice. Um, I, I, I can just feature. say that f- for the time being, at least, we'll be sticking with that for the majority of the of the formats. I do like the expanded finals game with the fourth deck to sort of add to the, um, I don't know. You, 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 with best of three, sometimes you can get like a really unlucky draw. And, not, and I mean, there's the there's the match. Right. Yeah. Um, so with that extra game in there, I think that it kind of lends a little bit more credence to this person is the winner. You know, it's it's got more finality to it. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I heard a lot of people commenting on that, and my myself speaking, I I felt it was a. I really like their best of three format. I wish more games had sort of uh, inducted that into their clients because um, I think that that's just very very clean. So I have a final question before we wrap up the interview. Um, What is your all-time favorite champion in Legends of Runeterra? Um, I think just going off my mastery level, it's got to be Rek'Sai. Wow. Was not expecting that. There was only one wrong answer. 
<laughs> was it Rex? And uh, no, I, I, Fiora is I, the wrong answer. Fiora is yeah, the wrong, wrong answer. answer. <laughs> I know that. I know that. Um, yeah, I, I just when when that those cards came out, everyone immediately went Rex High Pike. But I think my Pike isn't even at level one because I just like I, I like it's the contrarian to me, but I can't just do the thing that's working or the thing that everyone else is doing. Yeah. I have to, even if it fails, I have to do something a little different. You and DBN should be friends. <laughs> uh, you gotta be a so meta hipster, I, you know? Yeah, meta hipster. So I came up, uh, I think I put in the, the deck name game. That That's where the the, the solo Rek'Sai um, with Noxus just pump, mm-hmm. pump it up. And I had so much fun with that that I just continued slamming games with that i think i got up from i started at the bottom of silver that season and i was able to get up to platinum just with that deck um it was a lot of fun and and just getting her her level up animation is really fun yeah to to watch it just slams on there and it was a deck that did good and won by getting a huge threat on the board which I think is how I like to win the best. You know, just watching her pop out of the sand, whole body just, vibrating, just, just freaking... flinging people over like Clifford in a town of small children, you know. Just role-playing Dune, you know? I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's really what we're at. That That is, yeah. yeah. For the record, I'm it... impressed that Gibbles and Bits does not have children but was able to bring up Clifford the Big Red Dog because he's a fan <laughs> favorite around this household. We know all uh, about Clifford. Clifford was part of my childhood, too. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I know. but that was Yeah, Clifford's a... been around a while. Oh, he's, right. been a... he's been around a while, but he he isn't part of your recent history. Let you... The... You didn't That's just true. Go see... That's you fair. Didn't... You didn't go see the movie in theaters recently like my daughter did. Let's just You don't that. know me. Uh, you don't, don't know what I'm about. You, don't, okay? you know what? I don't. You might have gone to see Clifford the Big He's Red the Dog biggest Clifford fanboy Uh it's a weird yeah. thing to be the biggest fanboy of. My favorite but... color is not red, so no. <laughs> go see it. Well, thank you so much, Gangsta Bob, for joining us. Thank you so much for doing the interview. Um, we're going to go ahead and jump on to the next segment for this episode, so hang out. What the b- is that? Okay, guys, welcome back. Gangsta Bob was on for the interview, and he's going to stick around with us for the end of the episode, because we have some exciting stuff to talk about, and that is new cards revealed, um, new champions uh, that we got a little bit of a picture into, and uh, and some predictions for the future. Gibby, why don't you tell us? A little, we only saw three cards. We might as well talk about them. Uh, but why don't you tell us a little about if they if someone hasn't you know kept their eye on Twitter uh, over the last couple of days? Uh, what is some of the new stuff that we're seeing from the LOR team coming out here soon? Sure. So I'm not as well versed in the uh, the the kind of reveal videos with the, some of the new the new champions. So I'll let you talk about that um, coming out. But I will I will jump into the three cards that we did get revealed to us today. Um, we have three new support cards that are a part of the Magic Misadventures series uh, release that is supposed to be coming out later this month, um, being December. So we got three cards today. Uh, a two-cost, two-three multi-region uh, follower uh, from Bandle City and Bilgewater called the Grumble Slug. It's a two-cost, two-three that just says a tomb. So a little bit more synergy probably with Nami um, doing more of the let's let's bank spell mana early. Maybe there's some synergy there with with some Jace stuff just because of trying to get 
Um, you want spell mana early. Um, and then we've got the the four cost Yordle from Bandle City alone. So four cost Yordle called the Yordle Captain. Uh, when you summon a, another ally with equal or lesser power than me, it uh, grant it plus one plus one permanently. It's a four cost four four, and then a two cost multi region follower for uh, Bandle City and Shadow Isles called Minion. Uh, it's a two cost two one last breath. Create a copy of me in hand at round end. So at the end of the round, another copy of this will pop into your hand that you can play next turn if you so choose, but essentially a a turn style of a follower that just never goes away, a never-ending wave of uh, of this specific minion. So I, I'm interested to see what you guys think. Uh, Gangsta Bob, did you get a chance to look at these three cards, and um, what do you think power level-wise, or just do you have any idea, ideas churning in your head about how these will be used, at least with the stuff now? I know obviously we're going to get more cards as we see more of the release and the of this expansion, but what do you think about these three cards so far? Um, I think the one that jumped out as the most powerful immediately was the maybe not the most powerful, but Grumble Slug. Um, just the two three with a tune is good, but uh, more importantly, and this I think is because I was playing with the tree. The other, I was I didn't I couldn't remember I didn't know if there was another bilgewater follower in vandal tree and there mm -hmm. is but it's a seven mana one it's the shark trainer isn't mari warden also that or that is that just i think that's just bilgewater that was, was that just yeah. the common bilgewater i just looked through the, the collection running. didn't see it um so if you don't want to run fizz as your one of your multi-region champs to get it or if you just want more bilgewater coverage um that that jumped out I was like oh that's a really cheap swarm minion you could run early to to go for bandle tree um so that's one that jumped out of me i think yordle captain is very strong uh it seems almost like a beefier what's the demacia armorsmith yep armorsmith that too to yeah. the uh -huh. two cost two two that just works with elites but this yep. works with anything so well almost anything it works with a lot of the things that it would want to work with hey, upon summon too so you can uh, yeah crazy yeah when you think about it i don't think grumble, grumble slug is uh grumble slug is interesting because one of the things that vandal tree does want is spell mana um because it oftentimes is running relatively low cost removal but it's not always easy to get to because that deck does curve a lot and it drops a lot of cheap minions to swarm the board early so you don't oftentimes have the extra two or three spell mana that you're going to run for things like group shot or um things like pokey stick and so i think that i i, I think that a tune in that bandle tree deck shouldn't really be understated like that's that that's meaningful um, because in some ways, like if you can use that pretty quickly, it's almost like a, a one mana two three, um, which is very strong. If you can use that spell mana, um, you know, sort of right off the back, right off the bat. A, a Yurtle Captain is interesting. I think it lends itself towards what I think we're going to see in the Demacia champion for the set. Um, we'll talk about that in a moment. I, I think it's like a telltale for that now. And then Minion uh, with uh, with the. I, I just thought Minion was cool. I love the artwork on Minion. I think the artwork is... I'm always the guy who's like, I like the artwork, even though it's trash. Um, I don't know. Maybe this maybe this sees some play in the fact that like this is something that you could sack repeatedly and just keep getting it back in your hand. 
Um, if you needed to sack stuff or you needed chump blockers and it's a chump blocker that can keep coming back if you just needed to buy time with some Shadow Isles decks, maybe there's something to be said there. Uh, I, it is, uh, is it the cheapest Shadow Isles combo minion with uh, Bandle Tree as well? Um, I, it, yeah, it is, right? Because the, the next one is tenor. tenor of Terror. So this does come down before that. And uh, and you can keep an infinite value, guys. Infinite, infinite value. value. I think this actually might be um, the the minion might be my favorite of the three. Not just because wow. of um, you know it, it it's actually it's mainly because of the implication to like uh, League of Legends, right? Where like you have mm -hmm. the minions that march down the lane and they always keep coming, wave after wave for the rest of the game very until flavorful. the game is over. It's very flavorful and very simple, and I like that. I also am a sucker for last breath. Uh, effects and stuff like that but what I think is really interesting is um, this uh, I believe can get discounted by mayor uh, right at just dual faction cards not yordles right um, and yeah, uh -huh. more than that um, because it can keep coming back it feels like it might be an interesting thing I don't know if it'll be good enough but it seems like it could be an interesting interesting thing with Tristana as being able to kind of like keep be able to like keep cycling dual faction cards um, and things like that. I will say I'm not like sold on the Yordle captain. Um, and the reason being is I don't see a situation in which this um, makes it into a deck because Poppy exists, right? Poppy mm. gets value on the same turn that she drops and this does not. Um, and same with Bannerman. Bannerman at four gets value the same turn that's dropped, and this does not. This gives them an opportunity to respond and clear it, albeit it's got four defense, but, you know, challenger, throw a merciless hunter down, make it vulnerable, uh, whatever. There's plenty of ways to get rid of this thing. Um, and, uh, and at four, if this came down on, on even three, Right, then you could argue like, wow, this, this this can curve into Poppy, or if you miss Poppy, then you can you know flood the board ahead of this. But um, coming down on four, competing with Poppy in the same region as Poppy, um, you know, I, I I just don't see maybe one copy as a redundancy factor, right? But um, having to delay the value means that if it gets killed, your entire tempo is shot because you got nothing outside yeah. of the stats, and then with those gone, you get nothing. Whatever this deck is being played in is playing towards that tempo, right? Like, you're yeah. probably not running cards that are going to protect this thing very often. You probably are trying to curve one, two, three, four. Mm -hmm. This is one of those cards that, like, um, I, I kind of liken it to, to, like, Field Musician, right? Where Field Musician is theoretically a strong card, right? Um, same with like, uh, maybe even like Dawn Speakers, right? Um, of course it comes down a turn mm -hmm. earlier, right? Um, it's a strong card the longer it sits around. But the deck that this, you know, would most cleanly slot into, that ain't waiting. You know, it's not trying to to grind things out. It's not even trying to be an attrition style. Like like old school Dawn Speakers with Spiders was actually an attrition deck. It, it went wide and it just it just wore you out because you had to block it every turn and it just kept the spider tokens coming, right? Uh, but that's not really how Poppy works. It's trying to snowball the board and end the game. Um, and, uh, and so I'm just, I'm just not certain if this will make the cut, uh, you know, it absolutely would have, I think in, uh, the first three sets of LOR, but nowadays I'm skeptical.
Yeah, yeah, I, I can agree with that. But I, I think something that's just as interesting and maybe more interesting, we can go back to these cards if anybody's like, oh, I'd, I'd really like to talk about that more, um, is the fact that we have two champions that are very clearly being spoiled for this next set as well. And those two champions are Ari for Ionia and um, Kennen. No, wait, Kennen would be for Ionia. Where the heck is Ari from? Uh, is <laughs> I was like, Ari, she seems Ionian. Uh, maybe she's not. Where is, is, uh, I think maybe Ari is, is Ari Noxus? Nope. Oh, no, it would be two Ionian champions, right? Because we'd be getting two. We'd be getting one Ionian champion, and then we'd also be getting a, um, we'd also be getting a Ionian. Yordle. Uh, Bandle City champion, which would be Kennen. So we saw Kennen and we saw Ari, who are both Ionian champions. And of course, Kennen would be Ionia and Bandle City both. Um, and Kennen is sort of like a, a, a ninja yurtle. He's, he sh he sh throws shurikens and he uh, shocks everything with electricity. And Ari is sort of like this mesmerizing nine-tailed fox mage type character who, uh, you know, super attractive. And she shoots like love love beam thing at <laughs> like gangsta bob do you actually play league of legends uh no, uh no okay perfect yeah my full exposure is just runeterra and now arcane so uh i know nothing beyond what comes out perfect in games. perfect so that's four of us none of us play lol we just all play lor um i do i did play enough lol and i did play a lot of kennen uh whenever i played you know several years ago to know that kennen is sort of like a top lane sort of sneaky he's very fast um he throws electricity around and stuff so uh and in his ultimate like he shocks the entire like everyone around him gets shocked and stunned so i think he could be a really interesting potential uh character that could combo with y uh, yasuo um, and because he could pull off like an, uh, an ultimate level up, that's going to like electrify and stun the board, um, which could be really cool. Um, I almost certainly we're going to get like ninjas and shurikens and stuff. And then the flip side of that is Ari, who, like I said, sort of is like, she throws out this orb that goes out and back and does a ton of damage. Um, and, uh, and so it, pretty interesting, but also interesting was a, uh, a magical misadventures sort of like prediction as to, you know, what else would be coming out with this set. And one of the ones that they predicted, two of the ones they predicted, was exactly Kennen and Ari. And then they also predicted um, likely seeing Yumi um, from Targan, who is a magical, mysterious cat. And, uh, and then likely seeing uh, Galio, who is a giant sort of sentinel uh, gargoyle. Um, for Demacia, and uh, and uh, he goes along with. We already saw the is it Stony Guardians, the things that make spells cost more. I think it's called so Stony Suppressor. Of, a Stony Suppressor. Okay, so that's sort of like Galio's sort of vibe. So I was just curious if, if there's anything in the game that you guys were hoping to kind of see. We don't know what the champions are yet. We've only seen three cards, um, and none of these cards are going to probably speak to what the champions are going to be. Uh, anything that you guys are kind of hoping to see in the Kennen and Ari for sure, maybe in maybe like a Galio, uh, ya uh, Yami, Yumi, Yumi, that could come out. I'll speak to. I mean, I I really like Ionia. I've I think Ionia was the first region that I was kind of drawn towards when I started playing LOR, and I still every now and then I really do enjoy playing Zed. I still love playing uh, Lulu, and even if it's not in like 
an aggressive stupid style that a lot of people are playing out that bugs me uh, i liked playing the support side the heavy support side making a an ionia targon deck with with supports with lulu and i think i'm really going to like playing ari i'm hoping i would like to see ari have just thematically i'd like to see her have a charm effect of some sort on minions either on the other side of the board it can be something similar to stun or something similar to like a capture um but she's supposed to be this alluring kind of creature this alluring kind of character i would like to see her have an effect on the opponent's board of some sort with their like alluring their um either taking control of a minion for a turn um taking control of their weakest minion for the turn or um, making sure that they they can't block during a turn because they are kind of charmed. So I, almost like a status effect to kind of in D&D is what I'm thinking of when I'm thinking about the charmed side of things. But I think that would be really interesting and thematic. And it would also be different than what Ionia currently sees. So saying something can't block isn't different from elusive? Just a thought. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is definitely different than elusive. It it is. It's not. Yeah, I I think that you're gonna see definitely Ionia go in the direction of some elusive stuff with these almost for sure. But Gangsta Bob, uh, you know, you've been playing the game a good bit recently. Um, even though you don't play LOL, is there anything you'd like to see come to Ionia with the Arian Cannon editions? Um, thematically, I don't really know. Um, I I mean, I I I like most things they put out um i i don't have a sense of what i want um mechanically uh i i like what ionia does it just um oh, right now it's not super powerful um but maybe that is anyway uh i don't like what they did with blade dance but i do like when they add some new way to interact with the board and and blade dance was a very orthogonal like way to like the normal pace of the game um i oh yeah i definitely changed the pace of the game yeah <laughs> i i think i would like i'm always hoping to see them experiment more with like changing up the way you think about uh the pacing of the game because you play the game a lot you get into the rhythm and when when it feels like games play out the same, I think is when it gets boring. And so when when uh, new things come in, um, that that really change the the tempo of the game, I find more enjoyment out of that. Hmm. Yeah, I I think that would be I I I do like the the times when it changes. I I do agree. Blade Dance was not good, um, and I don't want another Blade Dance. Uh, but I, I I don't mind whenever sort of the pacing and some of the style of the game uh, is changed up by something new. Um, uh, DBN, is there something that if it came out with, uh, with some of these new champions that would be intriguing enough that you'd be like, you know what? You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really give this a go. I'm going to try this out. Mm, if they could somehow find a way to... Uh buff scar grounds uh with one of these things then sure <laughs> um 
<laughs> Make Scargrounds stronger. Make Scargrounds even better. I want to go from uh, B tier up to A plus 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 tier. S plus plus us, plus tier. Give us that blade dance uh, right. meta only with scar yeah, dance. Yeah, right? scar dance. Uh, that's the new new scar keyword. Scar dance. dance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so so I here's my here's my issue with Ionia the way it is now and I guess has been for a long time. The, the, the for a long time it was really bad and that had to do with I think power level discrepancy between factions. The things that make it unique now and the things that have arguably made it unique uh, are. Um, all can be boiled down to one big thing of um, non-interactivity or rather um, basically saying no to engaging with your opponent, right? So between denies, which is interacting, but only to stop them from interacting with you, right? Um, elusive, basically saying, yeah, I'm just going to do the thing and you don't get to engage in combat with me, right? Mm -hmm. To Lee Sin saying, I'm going to play solitaire over here for seven, eight turns, and then I'm going to win, right? My problem with Ionia is that it doesn't often give a crap about the opponent. Maybe Blade Dance was a slight exception, except that it was so overtuned that, that you know, the blades yeah. were engaging and none of the units, all the units just sat back and said, hey, we don't have to do anything until it's time to, oh, wait, there's the elusive again, right? So and Honestly, like, Blade Dance <laughs> didn't even feel like Ionia. It no. just felt like its own thing. It felt like a different like, card game. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what I want to see uh, in a Ionia expansion is to see them focus in on finding ways to encourage Ionian units to go to combat and clash with another enemy unit, right? That would mean, like, challenger or vulnerable or uh quick attack you know is i'm okay with quick attack elusive i i can just say just kick it right but like i think one of the most interesting things that ionia did in recent history is the swapping mechanic swapping units around i would love to yeah. see a little ninja dude like kennan play with that like when a unit is swapped get a bonus and then add some more swap cards and make that part of the you know identity of board-based ionia is you know getting you know spiraling units that when that when i swap give me plus two defense or when i swap um grant me overwhelm or whatever i think that could be really interesting is almost like that goku like disappearing and then appearing behind someone right uh or like in naruto where they 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 switch places with a log right like to me that feels ninja-y and I would love to see more of that. And it's a way to trick trades because when you come down to it, like every faction that goes to combat has tricks up their sleeve, whether it's Troll Chant or in the case of my beloved uh, Scargrounds, like um, Transfusion, uh, you know, whatever. It, yes, it wants to go to a combat and win um, through spells, right? But... Um, there's often a lot more layers when multiple units are clashing. Which unit clashes first? The ordering in which you attack begins to matter. You know, um, understanding like, oh, wow, I have to block two units here. Or rather, you know, um, they're attacking. Which units do I block and in what order? That all is the interesting part of the game, in my opinion. And the, the one that sort of is the great equalizer when it comes to combat. So I just want to see Ionia, the faction that can't, fight without cheating so to speak right can't fight without actually saying no i'm not fighting 
I want to see them actually, you know, get in there and and find ways to care about, um, you know, the board state and to care about, um, you know, clashing with enemy units, blocking and being blocked. That's what I want to see. Yeah, I, I would say even like even down to Yasuo is like that. Right? Yeah, Yasuo just sits there. She is stunned, which is like saying you don't you don't get to do things um, right. Yeah, and it does seem to be a core identity for Ionia, right? Where they really are not a board centric uh, faction. Um, they're they're more of a say no faction, mm -hmm. right? They're blue in Magic, um, and uh, you know I don't know what they're the equivalent of in other in other games necessarily, but. Um, there's a certain amount of that's true. One of the things that they did reveal is that there's uh, already a card out, a card out called Tailcoat Matriarch, um, which is uh, which is a, an interesting card that already came out in Ionia that features uh, Ari directly on it, mm -hmm. and it reads: It's a five mana four five. Doesn't see a lot of play. That reads: Each round, the first time you recall a follower, summon an exact ephemeral copy of it. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that Ari's mm -hmm. going to do something exactly like this, but we have seen synergies with recall. Um, come into the game repeatedly with Ionia without necessarily seeing the payoff for Recall. So I'm curious to see if Ari is going to display for us some sort of a payoff for the Recall mechanics, which will be really hard to do because Recall is just awful. Recalling your own stuff is so bad. Well, if you print, um, if you print five more cards that are Droplet, then you're fine. Uh, five versions of Droplet. An unnerf, unnerf <laughs> Droplet. Unnerf Droplet as well. Um, yeah, you'd have to unnerve it. So I, I'm, I'm curious to see if that's sort of like a foreshadowing, like we're getting a little picture. I think Kennen's going to be completely unique. I don't know. I have a feeling Kennen's going to be like a three or a four cost minion, mm -hmm. uh, or four cost champ. That's kind of like, I think that's the place that he would likely fit. I don't see him being like, he's not this insane powerhouse, like Aurelian soul. He's not going to be super high cost, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, Hecarim or like Scion. He's a little yurtle. He's probably going to be relatively cheap. Um, I imagine he'll probably have quick attack. I'm going to guess. I'm, I'm just going to guess. I'm going to say he's going to be at three man at three, three with quick attack. Um, that is, that is going to have some ability that once he sees you like cast spells or damage spells on stuff that he's going to, uh, level up and, and attack the whole board. I think that's going to be because that's kind of what Kennen does. Like he stacks electrical surges on stuff, and mm. then after he has so many on them, he stuns and deals heavy damage to stuff. Um, and I sort of expect that Kennen's going to have. He has a lot of flavor. Kennen has a ton of flavor, and he is a very loved champion, and so is Ari. So I expect them to not really mess with those two too much and see something that's pretty true. I would be really surprised if we don't see a charm, uh, uh, Brendan. Um, Gibby, I, I would be really surprised if we don't see a charm um, right. because that is really centric to Ari's kit. Um, Makes sense to me. Yeah, they just need to make it flavorful and creative. That's all I ask. I mean, you don't think yeah. that could like be vulnerable? Oh, oh no, I, I think it definitely After I had could. said it, vulnerable is my, where my mind went of essentially being vulnerable of, hey, I'm going to make this unit my under my control where I can do what I want with it. I don't necessarily have it on my side of the board, but I can do what I want. I mean, it. I just don't want to see any more elusive or can't block uh, in in that faction. Um, just my thoughts. I think it could be, I mean, if it's a charm, it could be some form of recall an enemy unit. Mm. Um, the only thing I'm, the only reason I think about that is because I hadn't remembered the name of that follower that summoned an ephemeral copy of a recalled mm -hmm. thing. It did not specifically say allied follower, did it? 
Uh, let me look at it again. I don't. It said each round the first time you recall a follower. It does not say. So some form of possession. If you recalled an enemy follower, then you mm. get a copy of it. An that ephemeral turn. copy. Of that it. would be cool. That's that could thematic. be interesting. That's my, yeah. that's my guess. Yeah, that 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 would be an interesting way to play it. I think there actually could be a, a case where Ari is literally going to take something and you're going to get it until the end of the round. Um, not completely unlike uh, how Viego does his stuff, um, because she like literally like in the game like she charms and you your character just can't do anything and walks directly at Ari, which allows her to throw her ball of magic through you and then it pass on its backswing, it hits you a second time. And so um, I'm interested to see if there's something where it's like going to take control of something or force it to attack another creature. Because we haven't really seen much of that where like you control your opponents like like you're you I guess blocking is kind of functions like that. But I, I, I would be interested to see how much like you could give control over like switching where like two creatures are that are attacking or something like that. Um, uh switching pace there i don't know or you know even just like knocking them back to the line which i guess one thing one thing that's not explored right now if i unless i'm blanking on it is swapping a uh enemy unit that is in combat with something that's on the bench um and that's a that's a that would be that's a pretty i don't know if that makes sense for her um but i i think that that's something because you you already can do that on your side um and of course there's no benefit to swap well there, there is but there's very often it's a rare situation where there's benefit to swapping attackers there's sometimes the ordering matters a lot of times it doesn't right but if you could theoretically if they left ezreal at home force ezreal to swap with something into a battle that's i mean i mean it would be pretty strong but also like i think a higher like a, a like a decent skill ceiling in terms of knowing when to do that in what situations and, and whatnot uh, I gotta imagine that would be four or five cost spell, because it effectively will end up looking kind of like a mini morph, um, in terms of the the warping nature of of the of the card in a combat situation. But but nonetheless, there's a lot you can do with a charm effect. I just I just yeah, I I think that for Ionia to be compelling to me, it's going to need to want to engage in, um, in combat and not focus so heavily on non interactivity and or combo. It would be really interesting to have a card that was like silence a creature, um, silence an enemy creature this round, mm -hmm. and your opponent starts a free attack with it. Right? <laughs> Where like you target one of your enemies, it gets silenced. And it has and to, attack. to attack you. Oh, that's so cool. Attacks you. Um, that could be a really fun I love version that. of charm. I love uh, that because, because then they can still play their uh, abilities on it. They can play Might or or Troll Chant or whatever on their unit and protect it just the same way. Mm -hmm. And you still have to be able to, def like, block it. Yeah. But it also says, like, your unit that was going to sit on the back line, your Zillion, your Ezreal, your thing that I was never going to be able to get rid of. <sighs> like, I can now force it into a combat situation where that's still very tricky like Ionia, but it is also board-centric, which Ionia typically is. I really like I that idea. I think something idea. like that could be cool. I'm sold. Well, you know what? Once again, guys, just hire Legends Cast and, and Gangsta Bob to to create, do all the content. We'll, we'll for... make your cards for you. Yeah, right. We're there. Uh, we'll print them there. and we'll design them. That's right. Any I'll draw the thoughts, like, art. Yeah. It'll be a couple stick figures. And... <laughs> yeah, I won't do the art. <laughs> uh, 
that's not me. Maybe that's Gangsta Pop. That's uh, <laughs> no. Uh, no. <laughs> so, no, 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 no. I got, I got, I got, I got, it, I got it. DBN will do all the stats and balance and balancing of the keywords and all of that stuff. I will come up with the name of the card. Mark will do the design, and then D- and then Gangsta Bob will take it to a tournament and win with it. Yeah, there there's going to be a lot more I'm overwhelm, just... guys. Buckle up. I'm going to hire an artist, <laughs> and I'm just going to focus on cosmetics. The the base character is a stick figure, and then I and then I sell you cosmetics for it to make a bunch of money. So uh, enjoy playing this champion, but you're going to want cosmetics. <laughs> so I make figure. a card called Sticky Poke. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Um, okay, any other thoughts on these couple of cards we've seen or, or what we want to see from Ionia uh, before we close? No, I think okay, we covered guys. it. <laughs> Let's move on over to closing thoughts. And I thought I was already perfect. Guys, in closing thoughts, this is a segment that uh, I lead that, you know, hopefully if you listen to this podcast and you've listened for over an hour and a half or something that you've gotten more out of this than just becoming a better LOR player. Hopefully you get better at life as well. And so I was literally, I was streaming today and there was a guy who came on my stream and we were talking about jobs and, and moving up in positions and taking new jobs. And a couple guys in our stream were like, change, it changed jobs over COVID. It was a really interesting conversation because he said, if your goal is to make more money, then you need to be willing to change jobs every two years. If your goal is influence, you need to be able to stay a long time. And I thought that that was a really profound and helpful insight into, like, when you look at your life, if your goal is to make more money, like, you're working so you can make money, right? Then you need to be open and willing to change positions. If your goal is to build influence, either in an industry, in a specific company, with a specific group of people, then you need to be willing to put in the time and stay a long time. And uh, it was that was really interesting because in my positions and what I've done, I've always stayed um, a, a while. And but my goal has always been influence. And it was like I, I literally can't even scratch the surface of what we want to do here unless I'm here for at least five years. Um, and so I never really thought about, you know, moving every couple of years. And, and the way that he had put this was so really helpful to me and was really thought provoking. I This is a closing thought that I was kind of curious because you guys work in different fields than me. Um, and so I was kind of curious about what you what you what you think about that, um, like the, the willingness to move if you want to make money, the ability to stay if you want to build influence. I'll go. Yeah, go ahead. I really like that thought. And I have not ever heard the second part of it i have always heard the first part you know if if you want to get a raise or get a promotion or you know move up the ladder you have to be willing to to move um i i'm in tech industry i actually work in video games and in most it's not just video games but common to tech industry it's the 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 common refrain is that the way that you get a raise is to jump companies um Mm. and that's been true um, in, in my career and, and others that I've seen. Um, but that second part is really cool because it there is a point, and I, I don't know when I'm going to reach it, where I think I'm going to flip. You know, I'm climbing now to get to a certain point, but there is a a goal of building influence as well. And, and, and that has not really been talked about as much 
in the circles that I've been in, but I really like that as as a just a different angle at which you approach your your career. Um, and I, I think I am now. Just, I mean, I'm thinking through it as you're saying it, and I'm seeing people that I have encountered that didn't necessarily, you know, rise ranks as fast, but they're very well known in in the companies that they're at and then the fields and that trade-off, you know, not necessarily trade-off, but they are building influence. And I think that is a very uh, powerful thing and a good angle to work at. Um, just requires you to adjust what you're aiming for. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's really profound. I like it. Yeah. Well, it was it was really helpful to me. Uh, Gibby or, or uh, Gibby or, or DBN? Yeah, I mean, I started my career out working for Norfolk Southern, the railroad, and that is an industry, the railroad is an industry where you are very well, it was very well documented that the goal was to be with the same company or be within the railroad industry for 30 years because the retirement benefits were second to none. Like that is an old, an old kind of staple of the retiring from the railroad is we'll set you up for the rest of your life. And that mentality uh, or doing that goes along with the mentality of it's just the way it is. I'm just going to kind of roll with the punches and, and take what I've got just to get to the end goal. And it kind of makes for a miserable kind of experience if you aren't working for someone that you are passionate about or so doing something that you're passionate about, which I think encouraged this whole moving around to try to find something that you enjoy doing and also moving up at the same time. But you're right. I like I like the way that, that Gangsta Bob put it of at some point you stop searching for the next best thing or, or sometimes you stop searching for a company that you can kind of back and be proud of. And once you find that company and you're there for a while, at some point the motive, the motive kind of flips and you, your goal is to become a household name and is to become a pillar of, of whatever industry you're in or whatever um, company you're working for and, and, and build your sphere of influence and start not going up, but spreading out um, and going wider. So I like that notion. It's, it's something that I can, I can attribute to my own professional experience. And um, I think it, what it really comes down to me is the, the going up, the, the switching companies to try to go up stops when you find some find a workplace that you can be proud of, and that is a search that is worth doing. That is that is kind of my my two cents on the matter is it is worth finding a place that you can call home from a work perspective and be proud of, and then worry about trying to move up and become a leader within that company. Yeah, I love that. I I love this mentality, this idea of. If there's a point in which in your career that you you shift i have one last thing to share but at dvn i wanted to give you an opportunity in case you had anything that you wanted to add to the conversation well i mean it's absolutely true right that the fastest way to increase um your paycheck is to bounce around companies every year or two um and it don't take a job in which you will be being paid close to or less than you know what you're being paid now right um it may not be particularly enjoyable um, <laughs> uh, having to learn new systems and stuff, although some people find that exciting and adventurous, right? Um, but uh, I think there is this interesting element where, historically speaking, um, a lot of people, and this 
is akin to what Gibby was talking about with the railroads, but it was a lot of industries and, um, you know, throughout, um, the, the really the fifties through the eighties, nineties, um, we saw that where a lot of people would spend most of their life working for one company and maybe they'd get laid off at some point and they'd go and work for the next company for a long period of time. And that had to do with several factors, both it, it, there was a cultural factor, right? Where it was like, you're loyal to the company. That was a big thing that was just sort of bred into American workplaces. Um, mm -hmm. There was the cost of living was significantly lower um, when that was, you know, so, so you didn't have to go looking for those big raises, right? By the, you know, at the rate that a lot of people come in, um, you know, they're still, you, you would enter the workforce and soon after be able to get a starter home, right? Or start looking sure. into it. Um, and that's not the case anymore, right? You're, you, people enter the workforce and they still live with three roommates, right? In a crappy apartment. <laughs> Um, for 10 years. Right. Um, and, and then there's the factor that I think is the most recent thing. And this is from me working in um, software automation. Right. And I, so I do a lot of writing and research on this. But um, the reality is, is that right now the, the United States, but the world in general is going through something that a lot of kind of companies and corporations. Um, what is it? The uh, um, the great resignation. Right. And so you're seeing people jumping companies at rates that they've never jumped before. And I, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. There's there's obviously COVID and, and potentially health concerns or, you know, uh, the, the ways that companies are handling those transitions and stuff. Um, but you're also looking at um, people that are realizing now what's more important to them. Uh, do they really want to spend most of their life working or do they want to, you know, the, the culturally, I think we're shifting into the place of valuing mental health a lot more um, mm. and valuing yourself and your abilities a lot more. But I think that the the biggest thing really from a uh, historical and, and sort of cultural perspective now is the rise of remote workforce and hybrid workforces actually enables people to change jobs, right? If you're sitting there and you've got, you know, a wife and kids before you would be looking at not just changing your job, changing your spouse's job, changing your kids' schools, and, and the the pool of selling companies, your house, selling your house, buying your house, buying your house the pool of companies that you could work for shrinks drastically if you aren't willing to completely uproot everything, right? So it did, didn't make sense for a lot of people. So they'd stick with the same job when while the cost of living was lower, it, it worked and they'd get incremental you know, pay increases across their life and maybe make one or two job shifts throughout their entire career, maybe. But now you could do what I did, right? I worked at a company for about a year and a half and then uh, looked around and quickly found that, oh, I can move my skills to a different uh, industry and people are willing to hire you know, somebody who's remote. I work fully remote now, and uh, I was able to move to a city that I, my company's not even in. I just wanted to move here to be with uh, with my girlfriend, right? I can do that. It doesn't matter. And that is spurring, I think, a massive like exodus in terms of people saying, I don't need to work this job in which I'm not being valued and I'm not being, uh, I don't, in, in which I don't have influence or based on the structure of the company, 
will never achieve influence. That's what it was at my last job. I looked at the hierarchy and it was like, no one here is aging out anytime soon. I, I have no upward mobility, right? And a lot of people just struggle through that. And maybe in 30 years, they will have a chance, maybe. Um, but now you can jump ship and go somewhere that's remote. And the, the biggest companies in the world are going fully remote. And so, um, sure. you know, it, it, there is this big opportunity to achieve both, I think. You know, companies now are looking at uh, people that are leaving and saying, how can we make them feel valued? Not just the paycheck, but people care about their mental health. How can, can we give them better benefits, right? Can we, you know, use automation software in order to take away the busy work that they have to deal with and instead have them make bigger decisions that actually affect the bottom line instead of filling out paperwork all day, right? And so I think that the dream, yes, jump around maybe and then find that job that pays you what you need and that gives you satisfaction, right? But what's so cool is that right now we're living in a time where that is actually achievable. Hmm. Well, I, I love all of that. And I, I think when I do closing thoughts, it always comes down to how we relate to other human beings and how we connect with other people. And I think it's important because if you're in one of two camps when you're working in an industry, it's important to not uh, demonize the other camp. Right. If, you, if you're working with someone and you're a loyalty person and you're trying to build influence, but you have people who keep jumping because they're getting offered more money at other positions, like realizing that that upward mobility and the flexibility to be able to make more money for your family and to be able to pay off your house. And those things are just going to be people's goals. And that's OK. That doesn't make them an awful person. And somebody who stays, despite the fact that they can make more money somewhere else because they want to have influence in a place over a long period of time doesn't make them an idiot. Um, that they don't, they're not stupid for doing so, that, that, that they might be gaining something that you can't see in that particular scenario, even if it's not the bottom line or, or you know, how much money they're bringing home. Um, and I, I think there's a, a growing consensus across the culture that says more money doesn't ultimately make me happier. So where do I need to get to get enough money? Um, and, and I think, you know, all of that comes down to figuring out when that transition point is for you. Um, and where that transition is, because the, the, the rat race is never finding the transition, right? The rat race is always more, right? A bigger house, a nicer car, a faster this, a better that, right? So I stay in debt so that I always have to keep with upward mobility. So I never get to build long relationships and I never get the opportunity to build influence. Instead, live below your means, find a place where you can be perfectly comfortable and happy, um, in which you can sort of live out the various aspects of your life that you actually enjoy, but don't overtax yourself financially so that at a younger age, you can actually make that switch and say, I don't have to jump jobs every two years. I'm making the money that I need to be able to support my family, my lifestyle, my hobbies, my interests, whatever. I don't need more money. Now I can make the shift and begin investing deeply in a place that I care about investing deeply in relationships and communities and I can enrich my life that way because the money's no longer a thing that I need to think about. And I, I think that, uh, you know, being cognizant and aware of, you know, where you, where you need to be financially is an important thing, um, for knowing when to make that transition and, and gangsta Bob being able to paint that picture really beautifully here of, Hey, there's going to come a point in time when it's not going to be about upward mobility anymore. It's going to be about, staying power and uh and that's a good thing and and knowing when that transition is is powerful well guys that's going to do it for this episode gangsta bob i want to thank you one more time for coming on the show thank you so much for being here we really appreciate your time with us tonight thank you for having me uh 
was really fun. And uh, yeah, I, I think I said it before, it was just a little surreal. So thanks. Well, we're really glad to have you here, and it was a joy and a pleasure just go win the next Discord League. There you go. And, you come uh, back and, on. Yeah, come back on the show. <laughs> DBN and uh, and Gibby, it was good to do a show, the three of us together, of course. Um, it was awesome. Guys, once again, visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash legendscast. You can find a link in the show notes. You can also find a link to our Discord. Come and join our amazing, amazing Discord community. You can find Gangsta Bob's decks from the Even and Odds list in our Discord as well, so come over and see those. And I did notice that Preeminence just did the same thing that Gangsta Bob did. Preeminence is Jonathan C. Um, Preeminence is his Twitch name. He posted uh, all of his decks and why he played them and how he played them and what that looked like. So you can go and get more in-depth details about that, along with all the spoilers for the upcoming season. Thank you so much for listening. We deeply appreciate every single person who spends their time listening to us discuss Legends of Runeterra and whatever else we want to discuss on the Mulligan. That's going to do it for this episode. DBN, you have one last thing. Oh, and we have to announce the next two champs in hat. Yes, DBN, we, we have to do the next two champs in hat. And the last thing I want to say is, uh, guys, uh, please, as you're listening, um, come into the podcast discussion channel. Let us know your thoughts on the uh, on the Mulligan and if you're enjoying that and if you have any ideas for things that we can cover. We're kind of just jumping around and sort of playing with the space a little bit. Um, so, of course, we want to hear your feedback. And, and if you enjoy it, uh, definitely come in and let us know because it's gratifying to hear that people like the content we're making. Um, but if you have um, ideas of ways we can either improve it or add more structure, or if you have heard something that worked for another podcast in the past, um, be, you know, feel free to come in and, and share that knowledge and share that feedback because we want it. We need it. Uh, and uh, we're, we're having a lot of fun right now doing Mulligan kind of interspersing as well. Um, and, uh, and we want to make it fun for you guys too. Absolutely. Gibbles, do you have uh, for us the last two champs, uh, the two champs or two champs in a hat in two weeks? I do. So we have an interesting combination. Uh, this is isn't is particularly interesting because this combination of champions comes from the same region. This was randomly ran this was randomly picked. Oh, so we So this is gonna create some variability. Yep, you okay. can do some splashing. And it's not on the same mana cost either, cool enough to so we are gonna be using as we've also kind of fitting that we've been talking about Ionia. We are going to be using Aurelia and Shen. Oh, ninjas. They don't go together. Great. Um, but it is interesting that we can we can splash uh, you know, something somewhere else too. So Aurelia Shen with everything from Shrima except Zir. Yep. <laughs> Blade Dance. Let's go. Um, just uh yeah, awesome. So pretty pumped for that. We're gonna be playing that, and Gibby and I will be back in a couple of weeks talking about that deck. Okay, guys, that's really gonna do it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and be sure to come back again next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.